welcome, ladies and gentlemen, dudes and dudettes, and prefer not to disclose, back to the Undressing Underground Podcast. We've got a pretty long one for you today, because nothing in particular, but we do have Reverend Gary from the Church of the Latter-day Dude, the religion based on Taoism, and the cult favorite Coen Brothers cinema film thing, The Big Lebowski. Um, If you've never heard of Dudeism or The Big Lebowski, this might not be the best place to start. But if you're like me and you've been mildly obsessed with it for years and talked about it during your project on Taoism in college and pissed off your teacher of East Asian studies, then this uh, might be of interest to you to learn more about how they treat it, really. How it is actually a religion. Man, I cannot talk, but I don't have time to re-edit this shit, so I'm going to keep going. And just say, yeah, you'll hear the interview when it comes in about, I don't know, a minute from now? So, let me just say now that we also have a 20-minute tea time at the end of this because we tried to record one the other day and the file didn't work for some reason, so we did record it right now. And this goes up in a few hours, so... Yeah. Whatever. Also... That's probably about it. Oh, there's no misconnections this week. No uh, short stories. Unless you count the spoken word piece from T. That will lead into tea time. Uh, Stick around to the end. And you'll hear pretty much the same thing I say every other week about how to subscribe and give me money or leave a review on iTunes. All of which is self-explanatory, but whatever. What about this? There's going to be a bonus episode this week, hopefully, with a friend, fan, whatever. That will be of interest. It relates back to the Gawker episodes we did about a month or two ago. So stick around to the information about that and to hear me drunkenly stutter more. Good stuff. Oh, hey, dude. Hey. What's happening? I don't have a camera set up. I know, it's fine. I always just do it just in case the person wants to talk face-to-face. I'm only recording audio. Yeah, yeah, that's how I usually do it with dudes. (laughs) I've done a couple of these Skype interviews. That's all my Skype experience, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's understandable. Um, So do you refer to all the followers as dudes? I generally do, actually, yes. Hey, uh, you want to get a minute to set up the interview kind of thing? No, no, it's fine. I mean, I do an intro before. I'm already recording, so... Oh, all right. Cool, cool. It's Um, all good, man. Cool. (laughs) So um, how exactly... Did you get involved with the Church of the Latter-day Dude? 
Okay. The long answer? I saw sure. that your podcast was pretty long-winded, so I'll go with the long answer. Yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> sure. So, yeah, about, uh, well, it's a long story. I've seen a lot of, like, horrible tragedy and crap in my family and whatnot. We buried all my little brothers and oh burned down houses and horrible, horrible, horrible shit. Been to war, all that good stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, about maybe uh, ten years ago, I started, like, really trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with this reality, this world. You know, trying to understand, you know, because I had just buried my father, my last true, true, like, go-to guy, you know what I mean? I'm all alone now in the world, so I start looking, you know. I had already done some looking, put away some beliefs of mine, you know. I joined, when I was in Desert Storm, I was all Christian soldier for Jesus and crap, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a long time ago. I don't even know that guy anymore, but... So, yeah, 10 years ago, I start really digging into it, really digging into theology and philosophy and really trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, man. You know, if I got to suffer like this, I got to figure out what the fuck is happening. So I did, and I went through many changes. You know, at one point, I was uh, one of those militant atheists, pick a fight with every Christian, be really horrible about it. I could tear all their theories, all their theology apart, whatever. No big deal. Uh, and then I moved on to joining up with the Colbert Nation. <laughs> that was great. I ended up becoming a formidable opponent. I was the Rev GMS on the Colbert Nation, a moderator for the forum. Oh, okay. And so I learned how to debate and talk and think from those guys, the Colbert Nation. They're fantastic group of people. I know most of them personally at this point. I didn't know that was like a real thing. I remember when it first started, he would refer to it as a fan website, even though it was, like, from the beginning. No, there was a real one. Yeah. Oh. No, there was. Like, and there separate were real from him? people involved. And, yeah, and then Comedy Central took over their, like, they had their own personal uh, forum going on. Yeah, I remember the website was fairly stripped down and everything. Yeah, that was them. Comedy Central actually dealt with them and took over their forum. And that's exactly when I joined. So I came in. Like, it literally, like, a week or two after the Colbert Nation became part of Comedy Central. Huh. Like, the corporation took over the Colbert Nation. I came in right after that, so I was not accepted right away. It took me two years of hard fighting to win that place. Wait, what? You, you fought to get involved? Well, I had, I, I, my first post there was the Yes We Cannabis post. Okay. And that was, uh... Right after Barack Obama got elected. And it was my way of like trolling. I wasn't very good at debate yet <laughs> or forming my own thoughts. You know, I was a construction worker. Okay. So, yeah, I uh, joined up with them. And my first post was the Yes We Cannabis post because when I went to a uh, cannabis rally in Massachusetts, the Mass Can rally in 2008, just before the election. Everybody was like, oh, vote Obama, he'll legalize. And I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I did was like, okay, he wants, if liberals and progressives want something to pick on Obama about, it's, he's not going to legalize. So, and that became one of the most commented on, most had tip threads. And I defended it through like 500 comments and debates and whatnot. It was horrible. I took on everybody. And I ended up, uh, I could argue 
why cannabis should be legal in my sleep at this point. Wait, they were arguing so, against it? Colbert fans No, were? for it. We, for cannabis to be legal. I was saying because Barack Obama won't legalize, progressives have an angle to pick on him for that. So what were they debating against you exactly? Well, a lot of people didn't want it to be legalized. I fought a lot of people with all those right. old-timey, um, what is that, reefer madness ideas in their head. Yeah. So I fought all those people. And through that fight and several others, the Colbert Nation people accepted me and called me a formidable opponent, made me a moderator. <laughs> and I became friends with them all. I learned how to debate and critically think through them. It served me well in college when I went, finally went back. So as I was saying, I was searching <laughs> for spiritual and theological and uh, physical realities, meaning and purpose. So I went through the atheist stage that led to the Colbert Nation. And then I started to really look around and I started to go into Buddhism mm -hmm. and get involved with that. And I started to actually study some forms of Zen and uh, Shambhala Buddhism. And I picked that up, actually, because I kept using Buddha to contrast Jesus in debates against Christians. Hmm. And I kept going, well, if the Buddhists can get it right, how come you guys can't? What do you mean yeah. the Buddhists so, can get it right? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things. Like, we know for a fact that in Jerusalem, Jerusalem <laughs> back in 2000 BCE or whatever, I mean, you know, ADE, um, there were Buddhist monks teaching there at that time. That's a, that's a fact. Hmm. The, first, the first saint in the Catholic Church is Saint Jehoshaphat, which is the Buddha. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, you compare that, you read the story. That is the Buddha story. You know, a rich prince who was raised, kept away from suffering, finally gets out in his late 30s, sees suffering for the first time in his life. Never seen old age, never seen sickness, never seen death. He was only presented with the best that any Indian prince could be presented with. Only young, beautiful people were allowed to see him till his 30s. So he gets out. He sees suffering. He freaks out. He becomes an ascetic monk. He wanders off for 10 years. And that's the pre-Buddha story. But that's the story of St. Jehoshaphat. Hmm. He finds the meaning of life and blah, blah, blah. That is Buddha. The first canonical saint is the Buddha. So I was a Buddhist for a little while, but it wasn't fitting me. You know what I mean? Were you actually going to like temple and stuff? Oh yeah, no, I visited a whole bunch of temples. I met a bunch of different Buddhist traditions and hung out and I focused in, I ended up focusing in on Zen and Shambhala. Hmm. Uh, and I like a couple of different things about both, but they weren't really fitting a modern sensibility, you know, a modern Western sensibility. You know, that wasn't where I was raised. That's not how I am. You know, like the Thai Buddhists that I first met and first sat with, there was no way to jive with them. There was no way to connect culturally except through the understanding of the Buddha, which was great. I mean, we'd have lots of conversations in broken languages in both directions and just nodding, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was great. It was great communing with them. And we could, both were on the same plane, but it wasn't my style. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then I, uh, so that, that led me to, I was involved in a little debate on um, a tricycle 
Tricycle Magazine um, forum. What's, and the what's that? Tric <laughs> Tricycle Magazine is the magazine for Buddhists in the U.S. Okay. Like, and, uh, like, like serious Buddhists, like including ones migrating here from abroad? Oh, yeah, all of them. Particularly, huh. particularly Western Buddhists, yes, but all of them. Tricycle is the number one Buddhist magazine in the U.S. Okay. So I got into a little debate with like some people there because what they had done was put Jeff Bridges on the cover, and that was the first time that they ever put a celebrity on the cover. Mm -hmm. So there was a whole debate going on on their little forum. And I had already checked out Dudism online, you know, looking at different things, and I kind of dug it, but at the time I was, like, doing a whole sobriety thing for seven years or whatever. So I was like, uh, the drink and the white Russians, I don't know. But so the founder of Dudism was also involved in that debate. And we ended up teaming up together and putting forth, like, a really well-put-together argument. And so we just started talking. We started talking about all sorts of different philosophies and stuff. And at the time, that's, well, I guess I still am. I mean, that was six years ago, but five years, you know, six years on, I'm still talking philosophy, theology, and all that crap. <laughs> but so we started talking. And next, you know, we talked me into writing an article. And then I wrote more articles. And then, you know, it just started to snowball. And I decided, yeah, you know what? It's dudism. Over Buddhism, that's what fits me, uh, particularly because it's it even it is even more secularized than most people understand Buddhism to be. You know, and, and you go to Zen Buddhism, it's secular, it's atheist. You know, there's no nothing weird or spiritual or metaphysical about it. It's it's all psychological. It's all physical. It's all how to deal with being a human being in this reality. So it's very secular, and Dudism is the same way. It's just, it's like, it's also like humanism and Epicureanism, you know, simple life, simple pleasures, and in the middle path, not nihilism, not theology, the middle path. Somewhere in between nihilism and theology is reality. And that's where I want to go. It's rational. Plus, it a lot to do with pot and drinking, <laughs> and that's all great with me. It's like I describe it generally as either Zen Buddhism and or humanism in a bathrobe with a joint and a white Russian. So you take this very seriously then? Yeah, I'm, yeah, for me, yeah. I needed a, I, I got a hero complex and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to do something. Well, what do you so, mean? What, what do you mean is, like, is your hero complex then that you're like chanting dudism? <laughs> no, well, you know, um, the newsroom on HBO. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I know of it. McAvoy, his mission was to civilize humanity. Okay, that's kind of how I see it too. So you, I, sorry, I'm trying to civilize humanity. So you're actually, I see it as the future to. Providing what religion used to provide through theology, but through reason, thought, and chilling out. So you think Dudism should be, like, a major religion then? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not a mock religion. It's not like the Flying Spaghetti Monster or right. the Church of the Subgenius. It's not mocking anything. It's a real philosophy that dates back over 2,500 years. This is just a modernized version brought into date so that 
people living today can listen to Lao Tzu's wisdom, the wisdom of the Buddha, the wisdom of Epicurus, thousand other philosophers. Listen to the, the wisdom of logic, of reason, of empathy and altruism. So, but do you think that having it tied to a movie cheapens it at all? Well, you know, they're all based on, all religions are based on a founding myth, right? Yeah. At least Judaism has a good sense to say that ours is fiction. It's a movie. <laughs> We're not trying to fool anybody into thinking the dude was a real guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's our founding myth. Why is that so different than any other founding myth? No, you, I mean, got, you got a point. <laughs> you know, they all are fantastic stories. At least ours, you could actually see one of your stoner buddies doing it. Yeah. Um, so you, are you actually a fan of the film then? I like the film, yeah. yeah you, that's, you just like it? <laughs> well, it's hard to get me to commit to anything. It took, like I said, it took three years of me looking at Judaism before I said a word. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm hard to commit. But yeah, no, I like the film. I like the film a lot. It I like, you know, like my, I don't even know what my favorite films are anymore. But you I've lost track. But you wouldn't consider the Big Lebowski among them. I consider it inspiring in many different ways. But yeah, I kind of like to watch Ender's Game again right now. <laughs> the the recent adaptation. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that had a great mind fuck at the end. I just love going through it and watching it again. And that's there's a lot of dudism I see in that movie. I see a lot of dudism in a lot of stuff. Like what else? Uh oh jeez. <laughs> you would put me on the spot, wouldn't you? There was that's something the other right. night I'm like, ah. Oh. Really? You know, okay, so let me last movie I just saw was me and Marley with the wife. She's a dog lover. I hate dogs. Oh, so you mean Marley fun. and me. Marley and me, yeah, that's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I don't like dogs. <laughs> I'm a cat guy. Yeah, me too. My one keeps trying to ruin both interviews today. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm surprised my Miss Kitty hasn't come in here to say, no, this is my desk. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so I just watched that. And it was <clears throat> the main character there. I forget his name. That was played by Owen Wilson. Yeah, he was know. very dudist. Very chill. Hmm. Very let it go. Very not ex- it's a you know very not excitable, and he was just empathetic to everybody in his situation, and he wasn't afraid to see the truth, and he could just chill through that. He was in the moment, like abiding. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to find the volume thing on this. Uh... Any of the Mad Max movies, no dudism in them at all. But you like them? Oh sure, I like them. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I like Walter, right? <laughs> yeah. So would you like Dudism more if it wasn't tied to the Big Lebowski, do you think? No, not at all. I met Jeff Bridges. He's an awesome guy. He is the dude. Really? He, he, uh, yeah, I mean, I met him at a Zen Peacemakers Buddhist Symposium. Oh, really? And was... interviewed him for the dude's paper. Oh, really? Yeah, it was far out, man. He was a <laughs> wicked cool guy. And I'm like... Look at this guy. He's just putting up with my shit, talking to me. I'm like, he's all right. <laughs> met his wife, met his Zen piece, his uh, Zen master, and met. I've gone back and hung out with his uh, Zen crew, his Shanga. You sound like you were surprised. Like you didn't, you weren't that as into him before you met him. 
Well, I've always liked Jeff Bridges. I mean, I remember being a kid and Starman came out, <laughs> right? And my mother and my sister, they would they would claw through the TV to rape that poor man. You know? <laughs> and I always thought, yeah, he's so cool. You know, in the Fisher King, he, he plays the dude again in the Fisher King. Well, he, he plays, plays the him. dude again in Men Who Stare at Goats. Yeah. It's the same guy. Like he says, they were following him around to write that character. And he, and I love that character. That, that character is a lot like me, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, even talking right a little down bit like him. To, right down to crashing my car into a dumpster because really? I dropped a beer. Or a, <laughs> I literally happened to me. Wait, is that why you went sober? Uh, well, no, not exactly. <laughs> that wouldn't drive me sober. That, that's, that's just fun. But no, no, sober, I, it was all the pain and suffering I was going through at the time. My family went through a lot of shit. Oh, right, you mentioned all that. Sorry. Yeah, so at a certain point, I actually hated everything. I mean, literally everything, reality, everything in it. Hated it, hated it, hated it, wanted it to end. I was a nihilist. Yeah. So, now. That's why I went sober. You can't be like that. You can't be feeling like that and then pour a bunch of whiskey on top of it, man. That ain't gonna work. So I quit drinking for seven, eight years, huh. almost eight years. But now you found like a pleasant. Oh yeah, food. now I'm dudist. I mean, fuck, it's all good now. I've been drinking <laughs> again for three, four years. So you think it's enabled you to actually drink again? Well, I wouldn't like. Put it as such, but well, I mean, I mean like enable, like an enabler. Yeah, it, it, like. it's that's part of why I'm a well-adjusted human being, well-adjusted enough that I can handle a drug like alcohol, even though I'm an A-type personality to begin with. You know, I like chaos. I like smoke and fire. That doesn't bother me. I have a very deep Walter side. You know, I I, I could I could. St- field strip and put back together his M1911A1 that he uses in the movie. So in like three seconds in the dark, I, I've been there. I know, I know where he is. I know the dark side and the, the fear and the hate and the need for all that crap. And that wasn't very much fun, man. And it wasn't going to do society, my species, any damn good. Not in the long run. So you do want society to get better? Yeah, I want, I'm trying to build fucking Star Trek, man. <laughs> I've studied long and hard the economics of Star Trek and what it means to get there, and, and our society is ready. We weren't ready 50 years ago. What do, you mean, start- what do you mean studied it? Well, okay, for Star Trek to exist, you have to have reached post-scarcity mm-hmm. as, an e- as your economic system. We are actually there. It's just a little-known secret, and nobody knows about it. We have enough food and shelter for every human being on the planet. No problem. Easy peasy. Right. First time in humanity's total existence, we are post-scarcity. It takes next to nothing for us to feed and shelter every single human being on this planet if we had the will. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't have the will? The Treehorns? The Big Lebowskis? The fascist cops? The um, nihilists? They don't have the will to do this. Who has the will? The who, dude. Who do you think the nihilists are? Do you think they're like a higher up? Sociopaths. But who? But where? Do, but how do you think they affect things? Because obviously you don't think they're just like some guy you're passing in the street. <laughs> no, it's the it's a mindset. Everybody, okay. Everybody has a worldview. Okay, mm-hmm. and every computer has an operating system. Okay. They differ. They differ a little bit, right? 
Yeah. Now imagine if you had as many computer operating systems as you have worldviews that humans take. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with clashes of operating systems. The human brain is just a computer. Your it is just an operating system. Your who you are is just your memory. It's, it's a, a collection of your, the events that happened to you that are saved on your hard drive. That's how your computer operating system references those to make your decisions next. The human brain is just a wet computer. Okay, <laughs> so we have operating systems. They're called beliefs, worldviews. Yeah. And you can install any operating, any worldview, any operating system into a wet, into a wet computer brain. And that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to produce from it. That computer is going to operate on that system and make, make its calculations and decisions based on its operating system. Dudism is a better operating system. Okay, but like, how... So who do you, th- do you think is just society in general's will that's holding things back? You don't think... You don't believe in like any sort of socialist sort of thing of like redistribution of wealth or anything to try and help it out? No, no, I totally believe in a universal basic income. That's part of the Star Trek system. Okay. That's how it starts. Here's the thing. We got to get beyond the idea that human beings need to slave to prove their worth to buy space on the planet Earth. Right. That's bullshit. We don't need to be like that. That's animals. That's, that's alligators and shit. <laughs> yeah. We're humans. We're beyond that. We can be beyond that. We can evolve. Yeah, we've got A human being should not be required to pay to be alive. You want a fucking boat that's the size of a fucking tank? You're going to have to work and pay a little extra. Yeah. You want to just sit on your ass and watch cartoons? Fine. Stay out of the way. Here's a little money. Be your consumer. You know, it doesn't hurt society in the least to pay people to just stay out of the way. The achievers can achieve, the lazy can be lazy, and the rest of us in the middle who just want to make a life that's decent for us and our families can do our thing. I mean, the only human economy that's going to survive robots (laughs) is going to be tourism. Right. Robots are going to be able to do everything else but be real-life human beings being real-life human beings in their culture. Us traveling to see each other just being who we are is the only economy of the future that can support humans. The rest of it, all I need is a trillion dollars. I buy enough robots, I replace all the workers, you're all out of a job, I can make everything cheaper than every one of you. That is one of the ideas I like, actually, is, um, well, not what you're saying directly, but like related to it is um, this idea that the work week needs to be shortened again. It doesn't, well, need, yeah. it doesn't need to be 40 hours. It could be 30 hours, and we could open up more jobs for people, too, that want to work and so they can make money and everything, and yeah. people have more free time to spend the money they're making. You've, you've heard of Keynesian uh, economics, right? Right. Okay, well, Ken, Maynard Keynesian said that by 2020, humans should ought to be working about 15 hours a week. Mm-hmm. He called it technological unemployment. He predicted that automation... And he predicted this in the 40s and 50s, that automation would reach a point by 2020 where the average human should only be required to work 15 hours a week to provide everything that human and humanity needs. Right. Everything. We can provide everything humanity needs working 15 hours a week. So you, I mean, except, except for 
making a very small percentage of our species extremely wealthy with the power to overpower all of our other systems. Except for that, that's the only thing we can't afford to do working on only 15 hours. If we stop paying to have extreme wealth and started paying to get rid of extreme poverty, mm -hmm. we could all be working 15 hours a week and spend the rest of our time drinking wine with our <laughs> lovers, raising our children, writing our books, creating our new piece of war artwork, entertaining guests from another country, being fucking human. Right, feeling fulfilled. Instead of automatons, we have robots now. Why should we be the robots? Right, so what you always hear is that pr productivity has gotten so high, but wages have stayed the same and work weeks have stayed the same and everything. Yeah, well, you look at it. We're making people do jobs that shouldn't. I mean, in the long run, costs us money to make them do. Yeah. We're just making people work for the sake of working at this point. So, Or some fucked up idea that someone has to pay for their way on planet Earth. Right. So uh, this is sort of what surprised me, actually, when I was looking through the website. Because I haven't looked at the website in years. I mean, I, was, I am a reverend in the religion. I joined at... I thought I joined in high school, but the most recent, but I found a, when I paid the 10 bucks, it was 2009, apparently. Um, yeah. Was that me that caught you? Because I do all the certificates and stuff. Maybe? I don't know. I mean, it's back in my room. I could leave, I could go find it real quick if you wanted. I only just took over the certificates, so like three months ago, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no idea then. Um, I can look you up, though. It's no problem. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, oh, that's right. I saw on the website it said like if you register before 2012 or 14 or something that yeah, that's the old database. Yeah, I'm I'm in that one then. Um, but uh, that's what's sort of surprising is because I was looking through the website because it's been years since I've actually thought that much about it. And uh, but I noticed in the frequently asked questions or something it asked about politics and it said that. Uh, do this tend to lean libertarian, which surprised me because it's because in left leading left libertarian, right? Which is then basically just like Bernie Sanders, then exactly. <laughs> Bernie Sanders is in my mind okay. I don't want to speak for all of everybody, and I I hedge my bets on speaking for all of Judaism, even though that's sort of my job at this point. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm hedging this. This isn't an official Dudism statement. But I would say that Bernie Sanders represents Dudist politics. That's what I would think. Because, yeah, like the idea of like libertarianism in general, just the idea that – I mean, Democratic in, socialism. Right. In theory, like the idea of laissez fair, like everybody doing what they want. But like in practice, like it becomes Darwinism again and then people can't really lean back yeah. as much as they want to or should be able to. Yeah, Judaism is libertarian, left libertarian, not objectivist libertarian like Ayn Rand. Right. It's libertarian in the sense of the original founding fathers were classical liberals. Yeah. But it's altruistic and empathetic. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's libertarianism with empathy and altruism becomes left libertarian. But it just sounds like it basically becomes a form of socialism. <laughs> Not like it traditional well, socialism. When you like, start caring about caring about your fellow human being, yeah. it's socialism. The right. minute you start saying, I care how your life goes, and I hope it goes well, you're a socialist. Yeah. Otherwise, you're an egoist. I mean, it goes back to the social contract. You've got altruists and egoists. There's only two types. Up until just recently, 
egoists always killed off all the altruists. Right. Always. Jesus, altruists. Lao Tzu, altruists. You know, all the altruists. They they gotta go. We can't listen to them because they're saying, "Give up my ego, what I want." And even though I can prove to you that you're better off in the long run, I can't get people to quit the idea that they should be a trillionaire. Right. Yeah. There's you that... have to give up the idea of being a billionaire to save the world. You could be a millionaire even in a socialist, democratic, mid, midway, post-scarcity economy. There will be achievers. There's always meritocracy. Yeah. But no one should instead of a safety net it should be an iron floor right that's what blows my mind always like when you hear about like when you hear about like the estate tax being opposed and stuff like the idea just look at uh bloomberg who makes more money than he could physically spend in his lifetime (laughs) exactly you know yeah and he doesn't suffer yeah people are suffering real pain and it's not their damn fault. Stop blaming the fucking poor. It pisses me off. Oh, I know. Me too. And it's like, but there's the idea, like you were saying, basically, there's that old quote, though, of people in America aren't poor. They're just tempor- temporarily embarrassed billionaires. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the problem. If you could give up the idea of extreme wealth, we can end extreme poverty. And yeah. those are the two things that have to go to build a successful, prosperous species that's going to reach the damn stars. Right. We're at the Fermi paradox problem right here, right now. Do we survive, as a primitive species, do we survive our advanced technology? Yeah. And something, I mean, also, like, it surprised me when I read that, too, because I was thinking back to the movie, and it's like, the dude isn't a wealthy guy, but all of the villains in the film are. <laughs> like, they all have... But he's a- also interested in money. He doesn't want to be poor. Oh, yeah, no, he doesn't want to be poor, but he wants to be comfortable, though, like everybody right. else. Right. I mean, people say, oh, he just, it's all secondhand stuff. I'm like, the dude, but Kahlua. Have you seen the price of Kahlua? Oh, yeah. It's I mean, not you the can cheapest. Buy cheap, yeah, you can buy cheap coffee brandy. If that, Dudism isn't about being an aesthetic monk, you know, and giving up. It's the middle path again. Yeah. What makes you happy? Spend money on that. I, I like my bourbon. And I'm going to spend money and get Maker's Mark instead of a cheap, crappy bottle of whiskey right or even if it doesn't taste better there's still that feeling well i guess it's back to the temporarily embarrassed billionaire but it's still like the idea of like you feel better like yeah i'm gonna get the thing i recognize like Mm. (laughs) but you you don't need so much yeah you know i mean there's tons of studies that prove that humans don't get happier after they make like about eighty thousand dollars more a year right and you see that in the big lebowski too like you see that with um the the other lebowski um, who's married the young girl and who, cr- like, creates this facade and everything. And Yeah, you figure he should be happy, right? He's yeah. not. Yes. The dude's the happy one. Yeah. And he's, and he's got enough money for Kahlua and weed. And, and, a, and, a, and a bungalow on the beach. I mean, he's got money, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, but he doesn't have more than he needs. Right, and the people making him miserable are the fucking nihilists and the rich people. <laughs> Right, the people who don't think anything matters or the people who think that only how you look or how much money you have matters. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. 
<laughs> you yeah. believe that. I was a little nervous coming in that I was going to be like, I hope this isn't like going to be some weird right wing thing that doesn't some, doesn't really jive with what I think Judaism probably should we be. We get some. Yeah. I mean, the libertarian thing does does matter to some and they they Isn't I mean it's schisms and breakups and dudism we, you know and I'm nefarious the half uh, there's a bunch of dudists that actually hate me really I, a lot of them love me but yeah this is some that don't like me but you how know, do you manage that like do they do they I, still buy into the organization of dudism and they may or may not i mean i i have a tendency to you know speak my mind (laughs) clearly i think that's totally in line i mean he never the dude never retreated not once the guy was a pacifist i'm a pacifist now yeah but he never retreated and i never retreat he'll call you a cleft asshole if you're a cleft asshole he'll call you a fascist if you're a fascist (laughs) he'll say fuck this if you're not worth talking to right and he has his own ways and i think i'm fine so others may disagree, and everybody's welcome to their opinion. And I think dudism has the opportunity to actually split into two and be two kind of dudisms, but not be like the um, Catholics and the Protestants and not be a violent, horrible thing. It would be like, okay, so you're that type and I'm that type. No problem. We're all dude. You know? I you, think it's the first one that can manage a schism. You, you, so you do think it would be possible. It's not just that's what you would prefer. You think it could really happen. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer, you know, everybody to jive and get along, right. you know. But it's awfully egotistical to think everyone should think like me, even though I think I'm right. So, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, obviously I do I, I think my, I, my first rule is don't believe any bullshit, especially your own. <laughs> no matter how right and arrogant I sound, I still don't quite believe my own bullshit. Right. Well, that's, that's how you continue to grow is by not is by still being open to even if you reject criticism initially to be able to go back and rethink it like and well i'm still not i mean i'm not still a christian warrior for jesus so apparently that works yeah what was like how serious were you about that well i'm in a war zone i was you know raised catholic by a protestant and an atheist and so, I mean, I was just a young, stupid kid, really drunk, trying to figure it all out. <laughs> so wait, you were rejecting your parents' religion, then? No, no I wasn't. Re- they they put me into Catholicism to make my grandmother happy. I was supposed <laughs> to be a priest or some shit. Well, how'd you feel about them, then? Well, they were great. But, like, even when you were, like, a Christian warrior, you didn't, like, you didn't have any issue with your mother not being... Yeah. No, we all, we talked. Huh. We had very intelligent conversations in my house about stuff like this it sounds so, like you were always pretty much a dudist then <laughs> kind of but with other things attached that i had to shed jettison right. find the core i mean like my dad he was he was a straight up killer in the wars he fought but he was the, one of the more dudist people i knew and yet you know it's like everybody i got so many damn folded flags around here everybody in my family served but they're all fucking hippies <laughs> they're all war veteran hippies so you figure it out you let me know i mean so you, does that bother you then that you've done that no really no no the, the buddhism mindfulness first thing you got to do is forgive yourself it's acceptance hmm. you have to accept things and forgive things you know this is your christian angle 
Yeah. Forgiveness is the key. It's the key to everything. First, you got to forgive yourself. Then you got to forgive all your mistakes, and then you start to learn. Everybody deserves that forgiveness. We're all stupid. <laughs> we all make mistakes. Right. You know? And once you're there, then then you really start to tune into other human beings and what it's like. I mean, the key is to understand suffering. Once you understand suffering and how that unites us all, mm-hmm. that's the key to understanding true humanity. It's empathy. So do you have a plan for trying to bring more people into the Dudas fold? Uh, yeah, just be extra cool. Yeah, you're not going to debate them about their religions. I try. I try not to. I'm a bit of a troublemaker and an online troll. So What's yeah, I, mean? I do. I do. I mean, I've been having a lot of fun with the Confederate flag lately. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and I even if you do this, have stood up to defend it, and I'm like, I've been pretty hardcore, and I gotta admire them for standing up to me. I do. I yeah, it's actually. I just right before uh, we talked, I saw. You had a link to your blog on your Skype profile, um, thelimbermind.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where I get a little over the edge and Walter sometimes. I keep that <laughs> off the nudism page. That's me. Dude, because <laughs> like, you have, like, you sell glass, uh, engraved glass oh, yeah, on there. I'm you a have a lot of dudist things on there, like the dudism code of I'm arms. I'm all about dudism, but that's my more engaged and in your face dudist side. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm all about. Like I was really getting into the whole engaged Buddhism thing, but it was that whole Buddhism and me not really fitting. I'm not a I'm not a monk. I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> you know, I want a joint. I want a, I want a beer right you now. In fact, I'm about to take a break, take a swig of whiskey. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, I just wanted to go that way. But you don't like? Do you tr- see? So you don't post that anywhere you like you don't try and sell it through sell this stuff through the dudas website well occasionally i get a little hand when my i don't i'm trying not to be so self-promotional i feel (laughs) icky about it right i'm a good salesman but i feel terrible about it you know what i mean yeah i i hate it i wish i could just do my thing and relax and whatever so i try and moderate what i do you know, I, the glass is a labor of love. My dad taught me. Hmm. You know, I've been glass engraver for like 25 years. It's, and I'm like, well, it's all kind of just synchronicity to make some dudist glassware. And, you know, and it, it doesn't pay the bills at all. I mean, it's mostly just so I can buy more glass engraving equipment. <laughs> but, you know, so you know, I like to have good workshops and stuff. That's just how I am. So, do you have a day job then? Besides <coughs> dudism? Well, I just run the day, the dude store now. Really? Uh, yeah. All the anybody orders anything, I'm the guy who, if it's got to be made, makes it, um, and ships it. <laughs> huh. And there's enough people buying stuff still from there. Oh yeah, I'm very busy. I'm actually falling behind a little bit. I got to catch up real quick here soon tonight. Hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I easily fifteen cert. Yeah, uh, or ordained certifications a day or so. Really? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, we're uh, there's over two hundred and seventy thousand Judas priests. We didn't do a recent count. That's from like two, three months ago. Huh. Our Facebook page has almost four hundred thousand likes. Yeah. You know, 
And I see it all the time popping up in interviews. I watch Bill Maher and I catch people saying dude stuff, you know? Like referencing it's, it or? Yeah. Just like, I, I'm starting to pick up on it. And when I get on Bill Maher, that's when we're going to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, I mean, like, do people actually bring up dudism or do they just like reference the teachings of it without mentioning what it's from? Yeah, they just reference it. It's it's like sideways. You pick up. You know, there's a lot of Lebowskiists and a lot of Dudists, and we kind of share the same kind of space. Okay, but yeah. nobody like in the public right now is, is uh, right now. But we got a couple of things coming up in the dudes paper. A couple of uh, there, there may be one interview with a like a celebrity who's on a popular uh, HBO show about it. Huh. So yeah. That will be neat. I won't say who yet, but I'm I, waiting for my cor- my correspondent to work out that interview. I think I might know who it is. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can cut this out if if you if I'm allowed to guess. <laughs> huh? Go ahead and guess. Is it Martin Starr? Nope. Okay, because I know he's a Buddhist. Oh yeah. Yeah, or the, cool. yeah, or to some extent, he seems like he might be into that but yeah i have no idea then <laughs> certainly ain't tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great that's what they're leaving scientology for after all yeah. well I, I i you know as as one of the church thinkers and blah 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 bullshit whatever um <laughs> it'd be great to get some celebrities on the bandwagon you yeah. know how are people finding out about it otherwise just by googling the big lebowski uh I'm not entirely sure. They find us all different ways from all over the world. Huh. And I've talked to Dudists who were in the middle of the riots in Croatia. I've talked to Palestinian Dudists. I've talked to Turkish Dudists, Russian Dudists. What They're these, all over the place. What do these people that are like in the middle of these riots and stuff tell you? Like, Do they tell you that it helps them get through these things or helps them organize these oh, things yeah. somehow? Yeah. Generally, dudists are pretty chill. They can they can understand the ups and downs, the strikes and gutters of life. But are they like active in these revolts or anything? No, no, no. Dudist wants to. The, most dudists, I mean, almost all of them are going to be pacifists. They're not going to take part in any violent action, but they will stand there and have an opinion for what they see is right. Huh. And so, so yeah, mostly hoping for peace and. Places like the Croatian riots and shit, they were mostly hoping for peace. Just calm. Let's get past, let's not do the violence thing, <laughs> at least, you know? But, That's what they were hoping for. And what are they reaching out to you for, just to acknowledge that uh, they enjoy yeah, it? Yeah, well, I just see a comment here or there on Facebook, and I'll glom onto it. You know, I'm like, oh, do this, and then I start talking to them and huh. have a conversation. I meet a, tons of dudists. That's my favorite part of the job is I get to talk to dudists all day long. <laughs> I'm like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Do you like ever – is there like any sort of gatherings or anything? Like I don't think there's any churches, right? Or temples No, or not yet, but things are starting to warm up. Really? Yeah, there's a few things going on. Um, it's a little early to talk about, but – Okay. Yeah, there's a few – things are heating up. Dudists out there want to do stuff. Some of them really want to get something happening. So things will start happening. I mean, eventually we're going to have millions. Yeah. You know, so it's going to have, we're going to have to adjust to that. It's going to grow bigger than any people involved in doing it. And it's really an open source 
philosophy. So it has the what it has an ability to last forever because it can always be updated, can always move and change with new dudas. Sure, what I'm writing now may live for a thousand years, but how they'll see it in a thousand years will be completely different. Um sorry, my my brain just went blank. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Uh ten second break, I run across the room. So Oh yeah, sure, go ahead. Alright. Right back. Sure. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about me. If you need to do something, you can go for it. I mean, we don't have that long to go, I guess. But <laughs> no, it's cool. You know, like I love getting the word out. Yeah. So how do you? Did I already ask how you do that normally? Like, do you? Well, I just finished an interview for a German magazine. Oh, really? Yeah, Enzyme. I guess they're the uh, German version of the Economist. Oh wow. Yeah, I had some dudes who were in germany i'm like dude what's this <laughs> what's this magazine like and they're all like oh that's a good magazine it's like the economist wow. i'm like cool they came over they sent a reporter all the way from germany to sh- sit here and talk with me in my little main bungalow <laughs> holy shit are they doing like a full like profile yeah, on it's you? about dudism and business and stuff they're- they were interested in the business and the money aspect of dudism Huh. Where it fits into e- economics and how would a dudist make money and crap like that. What do you mean? A, like, what do they mean by a dudist make money? Like just any dudist or like you? Well, pretty much how dudism makes money, but generally okay. how would how might a dudist look at making money? Well, what is that like? How does a dudist look at making money? I think they like it. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't like money but i don't think it's their driving force it's not it's like it, being a dudist is like being an artist you do what you want to do yeah and hopefully it pays so i guess the idea would be like how does a dudist feel about lending its name to a sort of capitalistic purpose then i guess you know, I would I would caution to look through it through the same lens that Buddhists would look at right livelihood. Yeah. If it's good, if it's make if it's good, you know, it's good for society, good for the individual, good for it's a there's a real benefit to it. Mm-hmm. it you know, an altruistic benefit to it, not just an egotistical materialistic benefit. Go for it. You write a book that sells and everybody loves it. It's like no dudist is going to hold it against Harrison Ford for being rich. The guy was freaking Han Solo. We love him. <laughs> that guy's some fucking money. <laughs> you know, he entertained the shit out of me. He deserves it. You know, that kind of attitude. Do you guys <laughs> ever do like? This would be a weird comparison, but like how um, the Mormon Church would do post mortem baptisms. Do you guys ever like? Do honorary ordination ordinations? I don't know how oh, you say uh, that. I've offered, yeah, but only to people who are expecting it. So you want to just like do the Cohen brothers without getting there? <laughs> without ahead. getting, yeah, no, I like I gave an honorary ordination to uh, Jeff Bridges as Zen master, but we were already friends, huh. and I'm you know I it wasn't like a hey we did this to you thing, and we you know. I gave him his stuff, and he hugged me, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, 
I think I should have asked this earlier. It's like, so how? What you kind of mean though is great dudes in history. Yeah, I guess so. Like how we identify other dudists that have appeared in history before us. Oh, right, like Jesus and the Buddha. Walden, Emerson, and I mean, yeah, sure. There's tons. Jesus is a great dude in history under certain, if you look at him through a certain context. Certainly Lao Tzu, Buddha, um, Mark Twain, sometimes. (laughs) Tons of them. And Bill Murray, we just didn't put as a great dude in history. (laughs) So, you know. We're we're all about trying to identify. I mean, I don't think it's like necessarily super important, but it's cool. It's fun. It's just a game to identify dudists who have existed before. See, Hitler, not a dudist. <laughs> right. <laughs> Most important man of the year, but not a dudist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, whoa, I didn't realize my phone was nearby. <laughs> uh, I, I, I felt it vibrate all of a sudden. Uh, so, how involved is the uh, Doodly Lama now, the guy who founded it? Oh, he's still involved. It's just, you know, I'm like the kind of filter, and he's kind of like the filter for me. We we just kind of help sort it all out together. I'm just helping him out, you know, because it's getting big. Yeah. But, yeah, he's still involved. He's still got his hands in it. Does he just, like, veto things, or is it like he actively partakes in things? He actively does his own stuff. Hmm. It's just, you know, I guess I'm just one of the first guys. Well, there's other guys who have been along the ride. Yeah. You know, there's certainly other great dudists other than me, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just trying to help out. I was in between things, and I'm just, I just wanted it. So here I am. I'm like that. I'll, I, you know, I just go for what I want, I guess. Yeah. So he, uh, do you know how he came to start? The yeah, he was in Thailand. Yeah, at a bar, and he was uh, disillusioned with the Buddhism he found in Thailand. Really? Yeah, because it it was all uh, religious, like and theological. There's certain different types of Buddhism. Some are more religious than philos- philosophical. Yeah. So he was disillusioned, and he was watching the Big Lebowski, <laughs> and he saw. A Zen quality, a Taoist quality in the character. And he wasn't the only one. Before he even did that, Bernie Glassman, the leader of the Zen Peacemakers, who turned down the heritage to be the Zen leader, U.S. Zen leader Hmm. of some sort, he turned it down to start the Zen Peacemakers, a different outfit. He had already been writing Cohen's about the Big Lebowski. And that's how he met Jeff Bridges and ended up becoming Jeff Bridges' Zen master. And even in Thailand, totally separate, unrelated, Ollie was creating dudism. But why didn't he, when he found out about uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, Zen master, uh, what, was, what, what was his organization or religion called? The Zen something? Zen Peacemakers. Yeah, why, why didn't he just join the Zen Peacemakers? He didn't even know about them. Okay. Yeah, I I ended up finding them through a different source. Oh, you found them? Kind of, yeah. Okay, so you did. Yeah, that was my... But yeah, I was... Because I was doing the Buddhism thing, I had heard about this symposium that Bridges was going to. Mm-hmm. And then I started talking to Ollie, and I'm like, hey, I could probably get into that and get an interview. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. I got the... Ann Walden and stuff. Watch her do poetry. 
I'm all stoned out of my mind first thing in the morning after meditation. Like, woohoo, hippie dream come true. <laughs> so you also meditate? Oh, yes. Yeah, mindfulness. I'm into the whole mindfulness thing, but not the Mick mindfulness. I just wrote an article about that a couple of months ago. The what mindfulness? Mick mindfulness. Oh. You'll hear about mindfulness, but it's being oversold as a cure-all to all your ails and if you if you learn mindfulness meditation you'll be richer uh, it's a whole bunch of hokum at that point but so are you talking about like the new age people or like transcendental meditation or transcendental is different than mindfulness med- okay. meditation it's kind of, i mean all meditation is similar of course right. but mindfulness is actually based more off of the work of uh howard cabot zinn he's at um harvard i think Shit, I don't know. Wait, this is recent? <laughs> Cabot Zinn. And he he's he's this psychologist and he's like taken all the Buddhism out of meditation and presented it as mindfulness and it's had huge success with post traumatic stress syndrome and other things like that. Hmm. John Cabot Zinn, I'm sorry, I think I said his name wrong. That's all right. So this is a recent thing then. The seventies, eighties he started. Okay. Yeah, so now mindfulness is all like a rage for like rich white people in California. <laughs> <coughs> so, which is fine, but they're not the ones who need it, and they're misusing it. <laughs> the ones who need it are people who are suffering to deal with, with their suffering, and that's meditation. That's the accepting, the forgiving, the whole thing. How often do you practice that? Well, less and less. The more you do it, the less you kind of feel the need to do it at some point. You really? just end up waking meditation. Huh. Well, you, a meditation is about shutting your, your brain up. Yeah. Making, uh, the Hindus called, like, when you try and rest your brain, you, you keep talking to yourself and you hear, like, conversations of your own inside your own head constantly. Mm-hmm. The Hindus describe them as, like, monkeys running <laughs> around in your brain. It's basically If you anxiety. can get your monkeys to shut up, yeah. you're mindful. So if you can get... Sorry. Your mind clear. Yeah. Your d- mind. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, it sounds like you're describing anxiety, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I don't experience that anymore. You did, though? <laughs> I, I, I never really understood it. I've always been really uh, super calm huh. to begin with. Like, I... Uh, I've been in fires and stuff and just wandered around like I'm like, ah, da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. what was the context for that? <laughs> uh, I was a recycler. They blew up my recycling. I ran a recycling company south of Boston for a while. So. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it all, man. I've seen crackheads like nine ways to Sunday and things blow up. They blew up the yard and. I went down there and I'm calm and I'm like directing the fire department how to fight the fire in my scrapyard. So they're like, oh, we need we need you and your machines on the next fire. I'm like, damn straight. Two big excavators, we'll tear that fire down for you. Like that. <laughs> so I've always been extra calm. So I never really understood. I think I've experienced it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, and I'm like, wow, that's got to be pretty powerful if that's what people are feeling. <laughs> Then why did you need meditation then? Oh, because I hate. Oh. <laughs> Not because of I wasn't. I've never been afraid. Yeah. I was afraid for everybody else. That's what, the only thing that scared me. <laughs> like I can't be loose in society, man. That's crazy. Yeah. That's wrong. 
I had to fix me. It was to save you all. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, though, that you say that the mindfulness, it sort of becomes less needed because it sort of fixes you. Because transcend- I, I, re- I know transcendental meditation like is very um, – it's very much about continuing to do it forever. It's transformative. Yeah. But do, yeah, because transcendental meditation, meditation, the idea is that you do it like twice a day, 20 minutes at a time every day. That's recommended, yes, with meditation. It's if you're too if if you're not busy, meditate for three thirty minutes a day. If you're really busy, meditate for longer. Really? Yeah. But wait, so is the point of mindfulness that you that you need it less and less, or is that just you personally? You just move into it. I think huh. it's like Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, he's he's this famous Buddhist monk. He, he was one of the guys from Vietnam that everybody would know, and he's got Plum Village. Famous Buddhist monk. He says doing the dishes is one of his best meditation times. Hmm. You know, you can meditate while you're doing things. You can meditate while you're alive. It's it's just being in the now. It's being mindful of where you are right now and not and keeping those monkeys quiet. <laughs> just being who you are, where you are, when you are. Cutting down the noise. Yeah, the self, the self-created useless noise that does nothing good for you in the first place. <laughs> um, well, I guess all I would have really to ask, unless you have something else to add, is that uh, how do you feel about uh, religions like the Church of the Subgenius or the Chaos one? I forget what it's called, the Tao of the Chaos or something. Oh, geez, there's so many now, I can't keep track. Yeah, I know. I like some of the Jedi ones. Yeah. I I, particu- I almost went with the first Earth Battalion Jedi men who stare at goats guys. <laughs> I like them. I had something going on, but they were they got a little too weird and How, stuff for me. What do you mean they got weird? Metaphysical stuff. Psych- oh. Psychic stuff. I'm not really into that. So you're still very atheistic in a way? Oh, I'm very atheistic. But I'm also very much into physics, so I mean, we don't know, we don't truly understand the nature of reality. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. You know, I could tell you nine different things that it could be. What I favor are the uh, multiverse, the same way as Neil deGrasse Tyson. What he favors, yeah. either that or I like the virtual reality. Reality, I the brain in the vat. Right. Uh, you know, I think I really I don't see any reason why this can't be a computer generated program and I'm just a sim. Yeah, it's I I I forgive this original thought of mine or something that I don't know, something I heard earlier today, but I was thinking earlier today about the fact that like the further along our technology gets, the more realistic the idea becomes that we could be that technology. We, yeah, well, we know for a fact that in like 20 to 40 years, we could build that computer and program. Yeah. That could model an entire universe. Right. Top to bottom, model an entire universe and let the model run just like a Sims game. Or have we? Yeah. And this is it. That, but that, I mean, that, that problem goes way back. That's, that's what's meant by I think, therefore I am. Yeah. I think, therefore I am. The rest of you, I have no clue if you <laughs> exist or not. That's what it really means. So does any of this affect Judaism at all? Does it help? Does it negate it, or does it help it? I think I think it. I don't know if it's really that deep into it yet. I think time will tell. Hmm. I think I think the fact that Judaism Dudis, attracts 
people who are interested in philosophy. Yeah. So there's a lot of philosophical discussions that go on. And we're trying to work it out. I mean, nobody has the answers. I mean, that's the first rule in Dudaism is that there's no answers yet. We can't come up with the answers. So why worry too much about them? Which is exactly what Buddha said. Right. He said, whether there are or are not gods or go- a god or gods, it doesn't seem to matter here now. Deal with here now. Dudaism deals with here now. doesn't matter... A theory of everything, a toe, T-O-E, theory of everything. Mm-hmm. No one can give you that. But there is the book, like the 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 dude Lama. He did release a book of the dude. Several. Yeah, of the dude's teachings and everything. I mean, doesn't that sort of limit that idea a little bit to have those things? And I haven't read them, but, <laughs> but he doesn't. He doesn't narrow any metaphysics down at all. Okay. Dude isn't isn't involved in metaphysics. Hmm. If it's metaphysical, it's not really part of Judaism. I mean, yeah, we all like to talk about what does it all mean. Yeah. But we're trying to deal with being alive now, yeah. here. You know, what does that mean? I mean, uh, you know, how do – okay, so we're a computer generated whatever. So what? I still have to deal with my life now. <laughs> That's sort of what I was thinking actually about that is like that – when I was asking you about how that affects Dudaism, like if that is the truth that we are a computer generated program, I was sort of thinking like, it seems like it was sort of job at the pretty well, just sort of like going with the flow still like, well, if we are and there's no problem with it, then whatever. (laughs) I think we can only deal with the reality we're presented with. And I think that's how Dudaism sees it. Hmm. This is the reality that's presented with me today, presented to me today. That's what I'm going to deal with. Okay. Um, well, I guess the only other thing would be just, do you think Judaism is working toward anything, any sort of answer that it will find some sort of answer to things? Or is it just a constant working of the, like a constant figuring out of the question? I think, I think it's the search for answers yeah. that can get us into trouble. I think we should look, but we shouldn't get caught up in it. I think what Judaism does is it provides the same sense of, community and shared values that all religions provide mm-hmm. but without dogma. but with a founding yeah without the dogma there's no revelations to tell you you know nobody in Judaism has talked to the do god <laughs> and if they ever claim to let me know i'll erase their name from the list <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to talk to who they talk to you just want to like no you're gone no you're gone <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't, there's no do God, uh, you're crazy, go get help. <laughs> it's not the destination, it's the ride, basically. Exactly, yeah. And, and it, it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, actually, about yourself, really, about the fact that um, never to buy into your own bullshit. So, like, even if, you, right. even if you feel like you figured it out, and you can believe that, I guess, but never stop questioning it still. Well, I just posted a... Uh... A declarative statement for Judaism on the newspaper <laughs> about the um, Supreme Court decision for same-sex marriage. Yeah, I I wrote an article for the newspaper, put it out there. We support it, and Judas priests are available to officiate weddings. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, we'll make some declarative statements once in a while, 
but that there's scene. always a little bit of the tongue touching the cheek as we do it. Right, and that is still about inclusivity. It's not about excluding anybody. It's right. not about the, that. That that was a dudeism thing. Like, you know, the stuff I put on my the limber mind stuff may be a little divisive, <laughs> but that's mostly for the small game of we have to have debates and dichotomies and stuff to keep things happening in this world. We want. We want to keep it juicy and fun in this world, right? That's interesting. So, yeah, just keep it, you know, it's like Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert. Keep it juicy. Let's yeah. have a little fun with it. Let's have a discourse that may occasionally get coarse, but it's a discourse. That's actually kind of interesting, too, because then you look back at the movie again, and the movie wouldn't be worth watching if there wasn't a conflict in it. It's all about conflict. Yeah. It's all about how the dude handles conflict, how he moved out of his zen and how he's moved back into his zen through all the different conflicts and interactions. I mean, oh, I mean that's physics. I mean, time is conflicts and interactions. Yeah, we wouldn't Without be, him, there's no time. Yeah, we wouldn't be watching if it was just him sitting on his couch with his carpet just completely yeah. fine for two hours. Yeah, two hours of him listening to a Creedence tape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be an interesting film too, I guess, just watching the dude for I two mean, hours listening to Creedence. It's a great afternoon, but not for someone else to watch you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Andy Warhol, I guess. Well, yeah, he was funny. <laughs> yeah, do you consider him a dudist or a great dude? I'm, I'm not sure. I think he was more kind of a cleft asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but he was interesting. It doesn't mean just because a dude called him a cleft asshole doesn't mean he wouldn't drink, break bread, and drink beer with him. <laughs> All right. You know, yeah. he loved Walter. Could they be any more two apart? I guess that's true. And uh, yeah, I mean. He wouldn't do anything if it wasn't for Walter. He wouldn't be able to prove anything of himself. Right. We never really want to get rid of the left-right ego uh, collective dichotomy. We just want to keep it rational and in check and moving forward. Hmm. You know, it's like the, I always say, okay, so you're on a boat. And you see another boat. It seems in distress. And you're coming up on it. It's not answering radio signals. The conservatives will go, they're pirates, blow them up now. <laughs> the liberals will go, oh, my God, they need help. Save them now. You don't know who's right right now, do you? Yeah. You don't know. You need both. I'm, I'm a liberal progressive technocrat. That doesn't mean I don't want others speaking individual Luddite stuff to keep me in check. You know, conservatives are there. Okay, liberals... And progressives are there to drag humanity into the future. Right. Conservatives are there to keep us from stepping on our dick while we do so. So the yin and the yin. Slow down, thing. dudes. You don't know what you're fucking doing. Yeah. And progressives, oh, yeah, we do. And then they fuck up. And the conservatives are like, told you. Stepped <laughs> <laughs> on your dick, didn't you? Yeah, we did. <laughs> so it's back to the yin and the yang again. Yeah, again, balance. Yeah. That's why the yin yang symbol is the Dudism symbol with a couple tiny moderations. Yeah, but it's all about balance. What are dichotomies? I'm looking at the. I'm on your website still. I'm looking at the logo, and the one is just the the bolt, like obviously the two bowling balls, but then the other one has lines coming out of it. Is that supposed to be like the sun? Oh yeah, no, that's kind of been dropped. That was just stylism. There was no point to it, just aesthetic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I put that. I 
built another one looked like that and all he's like oh no we dropped that <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay <laughs> no more spokes pull it right out of the image no problem <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah that yeah we're not gonna get too super into symbolism here i mean it's cool that people <laughs> to run around with you know for easy identification but that's what they mean yeah nobody's gonna get their eyes gouged out for getting it wrong <laughs> <laughs> well since i uh I have one more question. Since I just got off with, before talking to you, I was talking to a conspiracy theorist who believes that the Freemasons have an ultimate plan for all of humanity and moving forward. Um, So I asked him about aliens and so I'm curious what your or dudism's opinion would be of aliens and how, if they are coming, how should dudists deal with them? (coughs) Okay. First part, dudism doesn't have an opinion about aliens. Just the dudism itself has no opinion. I, okay. I don't see why it would. Yeah. Unless someone unless an alien walked up and said, I want to be a dude, then I suppose dudism would have to come up with an opinion at that point. Me? I sure. Um uh, what's what's the equation there? Damn it. I forget the guy's name. But <laughs> the Drake equation. Of okay. course there is intelligent life out there. Based on the numbers, I mean, the odds are, I mean, you can't argue against those, those numbers, you know. Yeah. So the Drake equation, sure. Have they visited us? Maybe. Have they kidnapped any farmers in Iowa? Mm, very likely not. <laughs> Did they help with the pyramids? No. I've been building shit my whole life. I can show you how to build those myself. I mean, that was very clearly slaves. It's very convenient to sort they of. They weren't slaves. It was a jobs program. In Egypt, they were an agrarian culture. And at the end of the harvest, you had 50,000 drunk, unemployed young men wandering the streets. At the end of the harvest, every year. They had to give them work. Could you imagine if, like, 30% of our people spent three months drunk, unemployed, (laughs) and they were all young men? Can you imagine the trouble we'd have? We'd get them stacking rocks, too, <laughs> just to keep them from being drunk in our streets. And that's what happened with the pyramids. I mean, yeah, there were certain builders that were, like, skilled. But at, at the end of the harvest, Pharaoh decreed that at the end of the harvest, you had to send men from every village to build the pyramids. Hmm. And that was to keep them from being unemployed and drunk with nothing to do except be angry about being unemployed. And that's what we should be doing today. Just putting people to hard labor. <laughs> well, not hard labor. I mean, New Deal. I mean, that worked great. We got a shitload of parks and recreation. The guys loved it. That's true. Imagine if we put a million people to work today fixing our parks, making new parks. Or just tre- fixing our infrastructure. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that could use about five million people just for roads. But yeah. just the parks, just wasted as far as capitalistic ideas, just wasted yeah. on beauty, aesthetics, humanity. Because there's no money in that shit. <laughs> you know? If, the, if we got to reduce everything down to a dollar sign, then we're fucked. We're, we're doomed as a species. We're not going to survive the Fermi paradox. We're going to die. Okay, so that was personally. And what should a dudist do if they meet an alien? Offer to do a J with them. That's all I can think of. I'd be, Want to do a J? <laughs> I've never even thought about it, but I'd be interested how an alien species would respond to getting high. 
Well, the movie Paul laid it out pretty good. I think that was right. <laughs> That's right. They did. Yeah. He was already smoking, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I mean, intelligence loves novelty. It loves to mess with its own reality. Intelligence, I mean, that's what intelligence is. I mean, empathy, novelty, and fucking with reality. That's what intelligent beings do. Alligators don't eat fermented grapes, but birds do. Chimpanzees certainly do. And humans absolutely do. (laughs) The more intelligent you get, the more you like your drugs. All right, well... I guess close uh, ending this then. Do you have anything that you feel like you should say to the four or five people that might listen to this? Uh, we'll post it on our website. You'll get more than five. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, to anybody that's not already into Dudism, do you have anything you want to tell them to try and bring him on board? <clears throat> you haven't already said? <laughs> I don't think I could. Uh, we got weed and beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough to sell me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you need much more than that? I mean, yeah, that's probably why I joined back in 2009. <laughs> we think sex is a healthy, zesty, natural yeah. affair, and we get weed and beer. I gotta drop some signs on you, baby. Your evolution will not be televised. You will not be sensationalized. It will not be written in the sky by airplanes. It happens slowly over millions and millions of years. It will not take place instantaneously. Keith involves me up some fancy organ stylings. blow through this one because I don't have the energy to edit this so <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to throw it straight on as it is. Right, cool, that's cool. Yeah, right, we'll be sorry, careful then. Yeah, but sorry again about the last recording just failing for some reason. I don't know what happened. The file was there, it just didn't work. That's cool. It was kind of a crappy one anyway. Really? We both like, I think we were both like just pooped. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I haven't gotten any better but I decided oh, man, to drink shit. again, though, so at least I got that going for go. me. <laughs> That'll be good, yeah. I'm probably going to do some of that later this evening. What's your this, poison this week? Uh, I don't know. It was some $5 wine at Aldi. Nice. Box <laughs> yeah, or bottle? Bottle. I could have gone for the $3 <laughs> winking owl, 
but I decided to go for something not from America because of the whole. Because uh, first, from if it's from America, it's from California where the drought is. So I was like, all right, I'll be responsible and pay a little bit more money as well. Make myself <laughs> feel better and the world feel better. Pay the guilty tax. Exactly. Um, yeah. So get you. Yeah. So <laughs> this week, I don't know how we approach this after fucking up the last one, but uh, you seemed. From what I remember, you seemed like you thought your beliefs were fairly in line with Dudism. Yeah, well, Dudism's just, it's just repackaged Zen. Just, just like, um, you know, it's just pretty much, they just shove dude in there every, <laughs> every once in a while, but it's like straight up textbook Taoism. Well, it's like a metaphor. I mean, they, they found a more modern metaphor for it to better apply to people's lives now, at least. Sure, and that's like the whole thing with Zen is like Taoism too gets included in there. It's like proto Zen. Um, it's like it's supposed to come out of the culture and the time. It's not like a doctrine. It's like Christianity's and Judaism. They stuff that happened, and this is stuff that you do, and then that's just the way it is. Zen is like just look around your area of the world and just see what's really going on there. Like that's all. It's a. It's a. Um, it's just getting beyond your social and cultural conditioning, which is going to be different depending on your society. Was there any way that it differed from your, uh, it's, you actually can cons- like you, you take Zen Buddhism. Yeah. Zen Buddhism seriously, right? Like it's not, is anybody, it, it's kind of, well, I mean, it's, it's serious in the sense that it's just it's it's a name I give to my perspective. Okay. You know, but it's like it's not serious in the sense that like I expect other people to eventually call themselves Zen Buddhists. You know, like, so it's a little bit like Judaism in that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, it's a riff on Zen, and then but the the Buddhism gets added because like. The whole thing is like you should just be able to sit still and meditate and reach illumination. But sometimes problems arise and like problems within meditation. Like you can you can find all kinds of accounts of dudes just wigging out from meditating. There's monks that go like a little crazy or people start seeing ghosts or your psychic powers activate like spontaneously um, over here. We tend to just lump all that under mental illness. But are you telling me you don't believe in mental illness? No, no, I believe. (laughs) What I really believe is like mental illness and spiritual problems have like a huge overlap of symptoms. It's like a Venn diagram, sort of. Yeah, like there's a big (laughs) middle ground. But as far as treating them in this culture goes, we don't even accept the fact that spiritual problems are legitimate problems so they just automatically get classified as mental problems hmm. but that's where magic and voodoo and like if you start to see ghosts it's better to first try a way to deal with the ghosts before you go declaring yourself insane and calling swan it only takes like 20 minutes to figure out if you're actually dealing with <laughs> Wait, spirits or if you're crazy you what know? happens in those 20 minutes like how can you find out if a ghost is real in 20 minutes well, all right, well, my thing was, like, I started meditating, like, young, like, 6th, 7th grade. Oh, wow. 
so by the time I hit 25, I could, if I wanted to, just had not have a thought in my head. Like, I could just, no thinking, no worrying, no nothing. When I hit, like, 29 and shit got weird on me, like, there was, like, 50 voices in my head. And I'm like, no, I've been purposefully cultivating the ability to not think for, like, 15 years. Like, and the only difference in me is that my head is full of voices. Like, so either I just went completely apeshit bonkers and have remained incredibly cool about it, <laughs> or like I'm in contact with spirits. So I went to the weirdo shop downtown <laughs> to find another weirdo, and it was like I got lucky because I met a weirdo who was um, he's this crazy Latino kid. The same thing happened to him like a year before it happened to me. So I would tell him, I'm like, yeah, this stuff, like I hear all this stuff in my head. And he, uh, and he's like, he just looks at me and he's like, you white people, why don't you know about brain talking? <laughs> like you didn't. And he, <laughs> he, so what happened to him was he started acting weird and talking about ghosts and stuff. So they took him to the, the Santero, the, the Santeria priest. And okay. the guy looked him over. And he told him to do some things, and he got better. So he wasn't mentally ill. He was hearing ghosts. If he went to that guy and, like, the weird bath or ritual they did didn't work, he would have had to go to a psychologist, you know? But the symptoms are completely, like, you say and think and do the same thing someone in the middle of a psychotic breakdown would do. And so you went there and he... Did he introduce you to the person? I forget the name, what you called the person, but... Uh, uh, Fernando? Yeah, whatever he was. <laughs> um, oh, first... Santero. Yeah, yeah, Santero. Santero is just... Um, that's just what you call a male priest in Santeria. A female one would be a Santero. <laughs> I feel like one of Hodorowsky's films is called Santeria or something, which would make sense because he's in the tarot and everything, too. But, um... Yeah, so then that fixed you? That got rid of the voices? It helped. Well, yeah, it mitigated the spiritual contact I was undergoing. Like, So it was just I learned how to just shut it off again. Hmm. And there are certain things you can do. Like, um, it, like the point is Fernando's culture like had a framework for dealing with these things. We don't have a framework, so we can only call it crazy. I mean, but isn't that a framework itself, though? Crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, but, like, it comes with other things, too, like a lack of attention to hygiene. Like, <laughs> you know, like, not caring about things, not... There was no break. Oh, so you're talking about, like, psycho like actual psychosis, then? Yeah, 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 okay. like, where you just kind of wrap into your own little snow globe and just do your own thing this wasn't this was like that in a sense but there was no cutoff there was mm. like dude like i didn't dissolve i was just like why are all these things going on in my head like i spent all this time quieting like training the monkeys and quieting them down why are they acting up again if you had a uh, found uh dudism at that time do you think it would have similarly helped you or do you think you need the voodoo angle um, well, I already had the, like we said, like the dudism was pretty similar to the stuff I've been doing since mm -hmm. the beginning. So it just would have been like talking to somebody you agree with. 
<laughs> you know, like there's no new information in there to me. Is that where the voodoo comes in then? The voodoo had a way to like be like, no, man, ghosts bother everybody. It's just how they do. It's just how the world works. Like, so you just ring a bell or stomp your, you know, like there's ways like ghosts were like having too many mosquitoes around or something. <laughs> there was things you do like, like, <clears throat> like if you're getting, it's like, oh, there's too many bugs are biting me. Well, let's light this citronella thing. That'll make the bugs go away. Like, what? That sounds just as unreasonable as like ghosts are bothering me. Well, just pour some coconut milk over your head. It'll stop it for a little bit. Or, I remember you telling me that. I forget what my issue was, but you told me to fill a bath with coconut milk. It's grounding. Like, you know how people, like, they go swim in the ocean and they're like, ah, it just makes me feel better, you know? Yeah. It's the, the salt water, like, just grounds you out. Like, coconuts yeah. do the same thing. You don't think it's just the atmosphere of going into the ocean, like that vast sort of space? Well, if you – that's definitely part of it, but you can get the same feeling like throwing a couple of handfuls of salt in a bathtub <laughs> and, and sitting in there and like, whoa, I feel like I swam in the ocean. Huh. It's like – it's that kind of thing. It's like it doesn't make any sense that feeling in the – swimming in the ocean makes you feel better and cleaner. <clears throat> it just happens. And like most people will regulate this themselves. Somebody who starts developing spiritual problems will just kind of take care of them. Usually, they're just self-regulating. Mm -hmm. Like you get a bunch of crazy hobbies. Like all of a sudden, I love swimming in the ocean, or I can't get enough camping, or like I got a new camera. I'm really getting into taking pictures. Like these are all things that like force you to focus. Like hobbies that like just make you quiet inside. They kind of almost force a meditative state so that this weird shit can get worked out. All right. Well, we've been talking for, wow, 11 minutes now. So, uh, yeah, I went by really That's quick. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how about we uh, plug your new book and then we can sign off until next time. Cool. I was, um, I was like disappointed in the way the book plugging went on the destroyed recording. Okay. So I, well, here you go. You're just taking chance. I know. So I, said, I even went, I bought a domain today. Oh, really? It's called another um, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the third one. It's called you are your fault.com. You are your fault.com. Okay. It's, that's where you can find all the teachings of, um, the Reverend Dr. Hugo Holmes. Now <laughs> the, the shaman monk, self-help coach that, um, you made up <laughs> that I made up so yeah. I could write this book called what's wrong with you and an introduction to what's wrong with you <laughs> which is like a it's an ebook it'll be it'll probably come out next week like 2.99 like all the other weird books I write and you could borrow it from the Kindle Unlimited thing but it's it's just Dr. Hugo was he was left in the jungle when he was young he was raised by shamans and when he left the jungle, he went and um, lived in a monastery. And he came back to civilization and took his online life course, life coach certification, <laughs> got his life experience doctorate, and um, you know, non-denominational ordination certificate. Wait, did you sign up for these courses under this fake name? No, but okay. I have done them under my real name. Most well, of so, them, yeah, so. I know you've done these things. <laughs> yeah. Like I never my. 
like years ago you had started taking classes in like i think private private detective practices and metaphysics <laughs> yeah i went through all the mail order like everything everything you can go to school for in the back of rolling stone magazine i went <laughs> so like this is just a way from it since like none of that is practical and leads to an actual job like why don't i just make this asshole character and write these really offensive self-help books <laughs> so, so that one will be out this week the website has like free affirmations and some like some more information about why he does what he does. And I already started working on the second book called um, Conquer Your Dreams, How to Defeat Your Dreams and Accomplish Your Goals. Oh, you changed the title because it used to be Conquer Your Dreams, How to Conquer Your Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to add a subtitle so you can get more keywords. Yeah, but you actually changed it so it wasn't just the same phrase again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saving that gag for uh, for the, the relationship manual, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be called What's Wrong With You for Couples. I'm not sure. <laughs> Definitive guide to what's wrong with you and your relationship. From somebody who's been through a number of them that haven't lasted. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Dr. Yu, he spent all his time in monasteries and jungles. Like, what's he know about? <laughs> I'm better, yeah. Someone who's ever been he in was- he was married. Like I've been toying with the fact that he was married, but I can He's he's widowed and divorced, but I haven't figured out a way to make that happen yet. I like that like, he's like halfway between like Stephen Colbert, Stephen Colbert character, and like it feels like it should be an anonymous character. Like this is just something you put onto the world and just let it exist. But I guess you don't have like the platform to just let it do that yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Without like it. <laughs> making it about you still. Yeah, it's the only way I could do it now. Yeah. But um, that's why I got him his own domain, and like you know, your listeners are hip; they can get in on the joke. Yeah. But, but the idea, like, it's I showed it to a couple of people, and they were like, "This is so close to actual life coach stuff that." <laughs> well, you actually went through courses, get... right? Yeah. Well, I didn't take life coaching courses. Oh, okay. I drew the line there, but. <laughs> <laughs> did center my um life experience doctorate around the uh you know my 300 word essay was about my life coaching work (laughs) 300 word dissertation (laughs) that's how you know it's legit you made it over 100 i guess the first university of degrees (laughs) (laughs) did this cost much money to do these these, uh, certificates this was years ago, I think. This back when you were living in Seacane? Yeah, and before. Um, wow. Some of the schools, like, they'll get close to a grand for the whole program. But you usually get, like, a nice box of crap in the mail. <laughs> you know, like a bunch of kooky books and some, like, diagrams. Like, those um, laminated pictures with the, you know, the weird charts on them and shit. Yeah. It's worth it. The <laughs> funnest one was locksmithing school. Cause they would send you like they would send you like two lock picks and a lock, and be like, "Open this lock and then mail it back to us." <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it would be like. That sounds amazing. Yeah, or you would get a lock and two blank keys and a file and instructions on how to file a key. like you can put a blank key into a lock and you take it out and you see the marks and you you just file it up, you put it back and then after a while you've made a duplicate key, so it was like do that and then mail us a key that opens the lock and then like that was that was a lot of fun but wait but, why why would you bother mailing it did they pay for the postage back yeah yeah it was oh, all okay. part of the tuition 
So like, That's yeah, good. so that was your homework. Your homework wasn't like answer these questions about how locks work. It was, yeah. here's a file, open this lock. Like you have 20 <laughs> minutes to escape this room before it fills with snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like, cause I mean, it seems like you can just open a lock and then like, all right, well, I figured it out. So I'm done. Like <laughs> if you get the paper to postage at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you could call them off and be like, "Yeah, I uh, picked that lock." Um, the next time work assignment. <laughs> you hear some angry Italian guy in the middle of the night. Like, All right, whatever. It's, it's just a guy like me who opened the locksmith. Things like it. You yeah. got a good deal on key blanks. He opened the locksmith. He's cool. <laughs> I'd be amazing if people were willing to wait like days for a key instead of going to those one-minute machines at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a great scam <laughs> come on. but it's neat like I still have the picks I can still take locks apart nice the other things that I never really learned any. I took a Reiki certification a doctor I got a doctorate in naturopathic medicine a certified hypnotist I'm a private detective twice <laughs> I dropped out of locksmithing school because I kind of lost my job in the middle of it um, I think that's it. I'd right, we'll love to cover them some other time though, because we're yeah. up to twenty minutes right now, and I'm not editing this. Oh, like holy I said. shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice, man. Well, I'll tell you about how I beat the bank next time. Oh, right, I forgot about that. Yeah, we'll have to do it next yeah. time. Yeah, I'm like saving it. I'll work on it, make it better. It's right, cool. Yeah, just keep writing <laughs> it out. Take <laughs> a lot of acid. <laughs> Thanks for letting me on again, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a, for talking to me. Yeah, anytime, man. Right. I'll see you. <laughs> see you. All right, that does it for this week. I'm going to keep this brief because I can tell how grating my voice is right now. I don't know what's going on with my vocal cords. But, yeah. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversations with Reverend Gary and T. Tea time. Why we call it that because he goes by T. I'll have a link to everybody's websites and books on the blog. And I also have another 15 minutes or so of me talking to Reverend Gary after we stopped, we officially stopped the interview. He's okay with this, by the way, in case you're wondering. But we talked a little bit more about uh, conspiracy theories and such. And I think about halfway through the entire interview we really started to connect so I think these 15 minutes are pretty good in order to get them I mean basically just ask and I'll send it to you but I'd prefer if before you did that you left a review on iTunes you donated some money to the patron account for this show or if you just uh, ordained yourself as a minister or a reverend I mean in the uh, church of the latter day dude even if you already have, that's cool too. Just show you're supporting somebody somehow. And uh, I'll edit down those last 15 minutes and send it to you. <coughs> I've been sick all week, so that's probably why my voice is all messed up. Uh, I like this song. Alright, that's enough. Oh, except 
expect another another episode in your feed this week if you subscribe because we're gonna have a special episode hosted by kittens and unicorns a gawker commenter who will be hosting a round table of two or three other gawker commenters about what they think about what's going on right now with the outing of the Condé Nast employee and the shitstorm that has ensued. Big shit going on at Gawker. Even some talks of the founder slash CEO resigning. So, we're curious to hear what the commenters think since Nick Denton has held them in great esteem in the past considering them part of the conversation and using the Kinja platform to elevate the comments. So look forward to that. I'm not sure when it'll come. It'll depend on when we... when uh, Kinsey Neocorns can get two or three people onto a chat at the same time. But we will try and put it up the same night. If not, then the next afternoon. And next week I'll be talking to... TV's Frank and Q2, a couple of fan editors who have done some fan edits to the Star Wars prequels, among other films. It's a really interesting culture, another culture like the, like the commenters that has no chance of profiting off their work. It's just done entirely for the love of the work. So come back next week for that and stick around this week for the Gotham commenters. Until then... I have no catchphrase sign off, so bye.